The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where Matt is watching select episodes of Star Trek all for the very first time in an attempt to figure out why Star Trek has become the cultural phenomenon that it is. Before we get into today's show, I just want to remind everyone, you can now visit us on the web at beammeuppod.com. All sorts of things to browse through over there, including how to contact us here at the show. And also, if you'd like to support the show or if you want more of this show, just head over to patreon.com beammeuppod, which is where we're going to post all of our extra content, the extra viewings and things like that that we're doing there. Today's episode, though, is The Measure of a Man, or as I like to call it, Pinocchio on Trial. This is the episode where Picard must prove Data is a legal, sentient being with rights and freedoms under Federation law when transfer orders demand Data's reassignment for study and disassembly. Matt, before we get into all the nitty-gritty of this episode, I'm just mm-hmm. curious. Uh, this was a this was a, a heavy episode, I think. What are your your kind of opening salvos on this particular episode? I found myself in the middle of this episode jumping back and forth, which side I, I, I stood on. Mm-hmm. I I was pretty sure I knew how the episode was going to end, or at least generally speaking. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly which path it was going to take, but still, I'm like, if I were had to decide, if I were the judge here, like, mm-hmm. where would I stand? They're all making good points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you do when you're both right? Sort of, I guess, <laughs> you know, so, well, we'll, we'll get into all of that. And, and Matt, I want to just kind of, before we get into it, cause I know we have a tendency to just sort of get running and get going, uh-huh. you know, as a part of the show, I want to make sure that we're also interacting with the content. And this is one that has a lot to say. Sure. Um, this, this episode is routinely listed in the top 10, maybe even sometimes the top five episodes uh, Marina Sirtis, who plays Deanna Troy, says this is her favorite of all TNG episodes. Um, so Which is interesting because she's not really in it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, like hardly at all. Um, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg talks about how this is such a culturally relevant episode of TNG. Uh, you know, of course, we're playing Guinan in this. So, yeah, you know, it, it's it's very highly thought of uh, Michael Piller, who's an upcoming showrunner on the show. Um, who's still involved right now. He says this is his favorite episode or one of his favorite episodes. So uh, we'll get into that. But I just, like I say, I want to make sure as we go through, we're actually interacting, not just with, hey, what'd you think of this, but like interacting with the content of of the material as well. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll get to that as we head through the show. As far as notable casting for this episode, there's not really anybody that I want to speak of specifically in in the cast itself. Um, Yeah, it just, nobody's going to jump out, jump out to us outside of our regular guys. Also, um, we've kind of covered most of our main character spotlights for the main cast so far. Sure. There's a couple of them remaining and I want to wait till we get to a centric episode <laughs> on that particular character. Fair uh, this one obviously centers around Brent Spiner's character data. We already did him back in data lore. So, uh, but there is one person I want to talk about and okay. that's the writer for this episode. And this is purely because I like this story a little bit, uh, or actually a lot. This episode was written by a person named Melinda Snodgrass. Now, this was her first TV credit. It's a fantastic name, by the way. It's a great name. Yeah. Uh, And I always wonder, like, is this like a a pseudonym? 
It's or is this actually her name, something. right? Um, but anyway, uh, this is her first TV credit, and she would come back for for a handful more episodes throughout season two and season three uh, before leaving the show due to differences with the new showrunner. Um, in a later episode, there's uh, what's called an acutogram. Now, Matt, I know I've told you about this before, but do you remember what those are, what acutograms are? The word sounds familiar, but I could not give you a definition. So the, there's a guy named Michael Okuda who joined us back, I think it was during Star That's Trek Four. who he's a graphic designer. And he okay. is the guy who designs all of the... Things Stuff that are on the, on the panels. Yeah, that's on yeah. the screens. Those are all called acutograms. And, you know, it's, it's, he's just got to come up with words and stuff, you know, that, mm-hmm. that gets in there. One of the names that gets listed off on a future episode is Captain Melinda Snodgrass, is a, <laughs> is a callback to her. Um, anyway, uh, she received a Writers Guild Award nomination for this episode. Um, now, Matt, you already know about the open submission policy that Trek had mm-hmm. where they would just receive things, yep. you know, from people. This was not that case. All right. Melinda all was right. an established writer and she wound up getting this, this script sold to the production because her agent had contacted the show and made it happen. Now, her agent also just happens to represent a guy named George R.R. R. Martin, <laughs> who, in case anybody out there doesn't know, is the author of A Song of Ice and Fire, which the hit HBO show Game of Thrones is based on. Uh, so she's connected to him. So anyway, uh, that's kind of how this how she gets into this world of uh, Star Trek and she gets into TV writing. She goes on to, to write lots of TV. Um, she you know, she but she's with Next Generation for about the next season and a half or so. OK, so anyway, so that's Melinda Snodgrass. All right, Matt. Well, this is where uh, we kind of walk through the show and you take us through the show as you saw it. I'll just kind of mm-hmm. do the description of it. And you uh, you interrupt me along the way. Will do. The measure of a man. All right. Prologue. The Enterprise is arriving at Starbase 173 for crew rotation and offloading modules. OK. OK. <laughs> <laughs> right there. I like. I, I, I obviously they, they didn't really mention it much. And mm-hmm. so I'm just wondering if it's a normal thing. Crew rotation. Yeah, sure. I think it's just normal uh, operation of a starship. OK, you know, it's so, it, so is that everybody but the bridge members kind of or like who are we talking about? Because I mean, like they, right. they don't change. Right. I mean, it. it is, I think it's yes. People, people, I guess I actually I don't I don't know how military stuff works today. Like with Navy. you see, you know? like, and you brought that up a few times. And, I, and mm-hmm. I, I, I have to imagine they're pulling a lot of things from that. Sure. Because it feels very, very much in mm-hmm. that dire- in, in that vein. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know enough about it either. But I would also I mean, just from a, a management standpoint, I can't imagine you're swapping out the entire crew at one time like. You know, it's yeah. this segment of people, you know, they move on to a different ship and people move into yours or, you know, people get promoted and, and go different places and, and things like that. So, um, I mean, certainly at any time, theoretically, any of our guys could get promoted and move on to a different ship. You know, Riker could get promoted to a captaincy and get his own ship. Sure. Okay. It's got to so, happen sometime. Yeah. Well, you think. Well, <laughs> think. yeah, we got seven seasons to go here, Matt. So. Um, but Starbase 179, or I'm sorry, 173, uh, which I note the way you, you like, you like it being said like that, right? 173. Yes. Well, yeah. and, and I have another note about that later on, but great. Yes, uh, do you know that you've seen this one before? The Starbase? Yes, you have this, hmm. this, the model for but, Starbase 173. Oh, the model. Okay. Yeah. yeah like the, the okay. actual physical model. I was going to say, cause they, 
they said they just built this thing. Right, right. <laughs> the model, but this was actually, we saw this all the way back in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Okay. So they dusted this one out and brought it over. Saved sure. some money, I guess, yeah. on production. Why I make a new one when we got mo- one over there in the box? Most people aren't going to notice. Nope. Until I, years later when we have the internet and we can rewatch these things over and over and over. Exactly, exactly. Because I I had no idea until I did research for this episode. So uh-huh. anyway, uh the Enterprise arrives Starbase 173 crew rotation offloading modules doesn't make a hill of beans difference uh, outside of we're at the space station. Yep. Riker, O'Brien, Pulaski, Jordy, and Data are settling in for a nice game of poker. I am glad to see poker still played in the 24th century. Oh, yeah. But for what stakes? They had to just be playing for chips, right? That's true. Uh-huh. They, they, they don't need money uh-huh. and food or possessions. Like, mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. that makes a very good point. I, like, <laughs> I, 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 it I always kinda, bothers me. It all, I, every I, time I see a poker <laughs> game in the future, it bothers me. Well, because I, I, I mean, I, I, I was pretty sure as soon as like they sat down to play, like th- they're going to say something in this scene that is mm-hmm. kind of going to be a point that's made later in the episode, right? Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's how they write their episodes. Sure. It's like we, we open with something and it, 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 you're, you're not going to know it yet, but it's going to gonna either drive home a point we're going to make later or it's going to teach someone the same lesson, you know, from the beginning to the end of the episode. Like it, th- th- there's going to be something in here. But yeah, I, I, I was just happy. I, I, like I didn't think about what stakes they were playing for. I was just happy to see they still play poker. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Data seems to think he's got this game mastered before he even plays his first hand, but there's more to it than just the cards. He quickly learns that it's more than just probability and statistics. There's the human element to this game. Meanwhile, Picard is having tea at the Starbase bar, I guess, uh, when he spots an old flame, Philippa Louvois, back in uniform. And we head to credits. Yeah. I. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was interesting because like the first thing was it was weird to see Picard off the ship. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think if I if I personally have seen him off the ship much. Like I think I've seen like I saw Kirk off the ship a lot more. Right. Because he went on all the than, away missions. Yeah. Right. Picard's yeah. not allowed to. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think. I know I've seen him off. I know he's off ship on several episodes. I just don't know if we've watched Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure he is. I just don't know if yeah. I've seen him off. And so it, it, it just felt a little extra weird. Yeah. I mean, I know back in the pilot episode, he went down to Farpoint, the Farpoint station, to talk with the guys down mm, there. That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, you probably wouldn't have seen him. Not not a whole lot. Not in the episodes we've watched. So yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, gotta wonder. Is this mm-hmm. an old old flame of Picard's? Yeah, it's almost how they write it off to be. Right. Exactly. I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell. I'll spoil it for you. We never see this character again. <laughs> She's once this one's gone. She's I, gone. I, I mean, they they, they, they kind of explain mm-hmm. it throughout the episode a little bit. Now there is a novel though, that goes through and actually details out like their past relationship. Are you interested in like a little synopsis of it? If it's short, it's short. Yeah. It's relatively short. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's uh, the novel, the buried age for anybody out there. Um, <clears throat> it's in this book. She has an intimate relationship with Picard just before he turns 50 years old. She is assigned to prosecute Picard during the court martial from mm-hmm. the incident with the stargazer. And she's so desperate to prove her point that she betrays Picard by mentioning that he wakes up yelling the names of those officers that were lost in the destruction of the stargazer. And it bolsters her position and Picard feels personal to, to bolster her position that Picard was personally responsible 
and felt remorse for the loss of the stargazer. Sure. Right. But her supervisor reprimanded her for an ethics violation, noting <laughs> that going to those links to make a point uh, will make it hard for anyone to trust her. And that is what caused her to resign her commission. Mm-hmm. And we catch up with her here. She's now back in uniform. There's certainly the old uh, flame, but there's also the animosity there as well. So is that all canon or uh, that? No. Uh, okay. So all the only thing that's canon in Star Trek is what you see in live action on screen. Okay. But a lot of the books are very well um, emblazoned into the history and lore of Star Trek. So much so that sure. writers will reference them and mm-hmm. quote unquote canonize they, elements. Yeah. They've kind of those. drawn from them. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, you know, so that one's good. It, you know, I just, it made sense to me. You know, it gave me a little bit more background when I when I saw that. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, act one, Picard and Philippa are catching up over drinks. She is now in charge of the new JAG office in this sector. Reminiscence turns to bitter feelings as we found out that she was the one who prosecuted Picard's court-martial for the Stargazer incident. He accuses her of loving the adversarial process more than the truth, and she accuses him of being a pompous ass, but he's still so dang sexy. <laughs> Yeah, that that was definitely a weird exchange. Yeah, but okay, the, the mm-hmm. couple weeks in a row now, I, I think we, we we've gotten mention of Picard and the Stargazer, uh-huh. and I that's guess, purely coincidence, by the way. Uh, sure, that is unplanned. I, I, yeah, I believe you. I believe yeah. you. But the fact that they bring it up multiple times mm-hmm. is is this is Stargazer the incident with Wesley's dad? Is that what they're referencing there? Yeah, yeah, that's all a part okay. of it. Yeah, yeah, and we've I. <laughs> I, I I think I said this on our last episode. B- the way we're like kind of skipping through episodes, like I'm not always sure how much information I have skipped over, like sure. in the minutia of the details of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know if we've gotten that full story yet from Picard, or if these this is just some of the breadcrumbs that get pieced together over the course of the seven year run throughout. Uh, sure. Next yeah, I, I, so. This episode, I thought they, they dropped quite a bit actually. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like we got the stargazer court martial. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I know that is tied to the crusher incident. Yep. And where people were lost and the, yep, the ship the court itself martial was is lost. standard when a ship is lost. Yeah. Sure. And like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They, they, he, he, he lost an entire ship somehow. I, right. Well, it blew up. I mean, he didn't lose it. Like it blew well, up. Yeah, it lost I, it, it blew yes. Up. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It, they lost it from the fleet. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, I guess that got me thinking too. It's like, how did you survive then? Like, mm-hmm. why weren't you on the ship or yeah. like what, 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 what? Like, I kind of want that story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we get that or if any like that, that almost feels like it could be a movie, right? It does. Yeah, it, it certainly does. So who, that, who knows? Like, They're making the new Star Trek story. all the time. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, there certainly are, are books and novels that detail out the story. I'm, I'm sure there are. Yeah. So, um, Admiral Nakamura approaches to introduce Commander Bruce Maddox, who has an interesting proposal, but it can wait. He wants to see the Enterprise. On the bridge, the Admiral is just finishing up his tour. Picard and the Admiral are discussing the placement of the Starbase so close to the Romulan neutral zone and fawning over the collective Enterprise history. But Commander Maddox is given Data the eye, and Data mm-hmm. seems more than a little uncomfortable. Maddox is here to work on your android. Turns out Maddox and Data have some history. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> here to work on your Android. Yeah, that's that's pretty. He's here to work I, on your I just oh, put droid, but yeah. 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 I, I like my first thought was do other ships have androids? Like mm. he, he he's just, you know, rotating mm-hmm. through all the ships that have androids and giving mm-hmm. him, you know, a little checkup or whatever. Obviously that's that's not the case we find out, right. but uh yeah, data is very unique. I I I I also like data's line here my condition does not alter with the passage of time Mm -hmm. which if he is correct in that statement which i have to assume he is Mm -hmm. that's kind of unique sure like i mean if he really you know doesn't wear down or anything over time Mm -hmm. because i mean like 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 you said when you hear android you, you may even just think droid and any other droid i know can easily break down or you know mm-hmm. get dirty and worn out and need tune-ups and uh, all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. but if yeah if my condition does not alter with the passage of time that mm-hmm. that's uh that's a nice feature there which you know which which is problematic when you consider the idea that the person who is playing this character brent spiner <laughs> does age with the passage of time and sure. should he ever sure. come back to this role that becomes an issue over time and you it know? does uh, you know, in fact, you know, data seven years later doesn't quite look the same as data in year one. Um, that's just what the context of the point. show. Yeah. Which by the way, actually, I want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really been the last couple of episodes, but this one specifically, I don't know exactly what has changed about the makeup that they're using for data mm-hmm. and the contacts and stuff, but data's looking good. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. looks great from a makeup I, standpoint. I, I, I've been thinking about that too. Just how much makeup he must be wearing and how long he, he how has to be in makeup every day or mm-hmm. at least every day they're shooting. I don't know if they shoot seven days a week or what it not, but like, I, yeah, that they, they, they got it down, whatever they've been doing. Yeah. 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 And it just, it just looks, it's so good. And it's so like, it's off, but it looks so human. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look like a person in makeup to me anymore. It just, no, it just looks like data. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like fake contacts on his eyes. Like his eye, his contacts on his eyes look great. Sure. Um, so anyway, just wanted to, to, to put that out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Maddox and data, they have some history. Uh, Maddox was the guy who uh, he first evaluated it when it applied to the Academy. Hang on. Did he just call data it? Yeah. Multiple times. Sure did. <laughs> And Maddox, I didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. And Maddox was the sole member of the committee to oppose Data's admission on the grounds that he's not a sentient being. Yeah. Um I I I have a feeling this is not going to a good place. No, no, <laughs> this is not the routine checkup that I thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah, because as we find out immediately. Maddox is here to take data apart and study him so he can learn more about duplicating Dr. Soong's work and create more of these things. More of these machines, mm-hmm. more of these it's. Yep. Yeah. Data's intrigued by the idea, but when he questions Maddox about how he's resolved apparent issues that people who've also attempted to construct po- positronic brains have had, Maddox is a little vague on the specifics. Data doesn't think that Maddox's theories are ready for this level of testing. And Picard agrees with Data. Doesn't matter, though. Maddox, who's barely even looked at or acknowledged data, presents Picard with transfer orders, separating data from the Enterprise and placing it under Maddox's command at 0900 hours. Yes, 0900 hours. 
<laughs> like so that that makes you wonder it's like it, is it just an enterprise thing is it like it's like Stewart thing probably i i i no no because i think Riker does it too oh really yeah yeah but like i don't know if it's just a crew member versus mm-hmm. uh station type of thing or or if it's just uh, honestly i'm guessing it's just how the actor decided to read the script probably but yeah. and no one corrected him it's like oh yeah you, you don't need to do that mm-hmm. or someone finally said yeah. you know when we're talking about hours i, I don't we think that's say. gonna change right. 400 years it's still gonna be zero nine hundred not zero nine zero zero mm-hmm. uh in any case yes so my big thought here was data has his concerns about whether or not maddox actually knows enough of what what he's doing to like put him back together essentially right and uh, almost just the fact that he's questioning it makes me think that data does know how to do that and and, and like, it, it made me at least wonder like how, how much information does data have mm-hmm. even if he wasn't necessarily programmed initially with the data on how he was made mm-hmm. couldn't he like analyze himself and and figure out how how he's made how it works sure and so in my mind i think data should have that information now whether or not he can efficiently teach someone what he knows mm-hmm. in order to to allow them to rebuild him that might be another story right but i i, I i'm sitting here thinking like it, even though data's not like lording it over him it's like haha i know more than you mm-hmm. i kind of have that in my head that he does know how to do this but if if someone else like but at the same time like if he did know then why, why would you just tell him <laughs> either that or why hasn't data mm-hmm. is hey hey no you don't need to take me apart i will help you p- build more of me mm-hmm. and and thing. if he did you've got to imagine there's going to be a different um issue because if they start talking about his life or death he can sit there and say look i know how to do this i'm not going to give you this information mm-hmm. because what if you make another lore and i saw what my brother did Sure. You know, or what, you know, like he could, he could not want to give that information on the basis of moral grounds. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that, uh, at least within the universe, I, d- I don't think data knows that. Should he know that maybe within universe, <laughs> probably, you've got a point well, and that's, what's very intriguing. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 for, for the bulk of this episode, I had it in my head at least mm-hmm. that. He probably knows, or at least he should know. <laughs> right. Like I, I, I don't think he's going to give up that information. Mm-hmm. What's well, that? I mean, honestly, it's that positronic brain, right? Like, yeah. That's the. Yeah. That's the thing. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe data. Maybe data figures it out. Maybe he. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, the whole point is to to replicate data, right? To to get yep. more of them, and that certainly becomes the the plot point here uh, in a little bit. Uh, Act two in his ready room, Picard and data are discussing their little problem. Data doesn't want to submit himself to the procedure, but Picard is kind of considering it sort of makes sense. After all, data has been so helpful here on the enterprise. What if there could be a lot more data's out there? Well, if it's that simple data says maybe everyone should get bionic eyes like Jordy LaForge has. They're better than anyone else's regular eyes. That was a fantastic comparison right there. I yeah. I mean, I will, I will be saying this throughout the episode a lot, but like mm-hmm. just the, the points that uh, are 
or I forgot her name. Who, who, who wrote this episode? Oh, Melinda Snodgrass. Yes. Melinda yeah. Snodgrass. She mm-hmm. I, just all the connections she makes and all the examples that are given throughout this episode mm-hmm. are, are so spot on. And like, in my mind, I mean, I haven't thought about this deeply after watching the episode too much, but mm-hmm. like, it, it feels like the best examples you could give. And like, it's, it, it hurts my brain to think about it too much. Right, right. It, it actually, and I mean, I kind of want to back up a little bit to where data kind of refuses the procedure a little bit. Sure. Um, and actually, I sort of want to jump forward at the same time. You know, later we hear about these three elements that make up sentience, mm-hmm. right? Um, self-awareness, consciousness, and intelligence, Intelligence. right? Um, I, they didn't necessarily discuss this or equate this, but to me, this should sort of be in that category. And maybe this is part of what self-awareness really is, is also a desire to preserve yourself. Like, like, I think that's a part of, are you alive? Like is, is a desire to, I'm not, I don't want to die. I want to yeah, stack. I, I I can see that. Yeah. Right? If you if you take our our standard robots, our standard mm-hmm. droid that we know from other sci-fi, right. like yeah, they're not thinking. I want to live. They're charging straight ahead into the battle, and mm-hmm. they're probably going to get blown up in t- two seconds. Right. I mean, they can probably have some sort of programming to to try to stay alive or something like that. Quote unquote, stay alive to, to yeah, not be destroyed. Yeah, to, uh, but a, it's not going to be an enemy fire so you can kill more people. Sure. Right. But it's not going to be an innate desire that no. honestly data is, is presenting here, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting piece. And I, I think all of that comes back to uh, a bigger part of this discussion that um, honestly, this episode doesn't deal with, but it does get dealt with in, in other episodes. And, and as you mentioned, uh, we may, we may come to this topic more than once yeah. of, of, you know, ultimately what is life and, and who has rights. So, um, anyway, so yeah, so, so Jordan kind of, or Jordy, uh, data drops <laughs> this bomb on Picard and he's like, Oh wait, you don't want to do that. You don't want to pluck out your eyes and go with what, uh, commander LaForge has because you're human. Well, too bad. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And Picard is left to consider his own hypocrisy. And he gets to work on something. And I find that I find that this is where I love Captain Picard so much because he has the humility to like allow his mind to be changed on something. Yeah. We've you know? said that a lot. Like yeah. he, he not only asks for the opinions of others, mm-hmm. but honestly thinks about them and, and takes them into consideration and, mm-hmm. And as we see here, uh, kind of, like you said, allows his mind to be changed a bit. Right. It's like he, he accepts that his 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 thought processes, his, his, his ideas, uh, maybe they're not the best. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not the only way. Right. And that that's so so important mm-hmm. in a leader as we as we talked about like picard is just such a good leader right yeah it's it's definitely 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 uh one of the things i love uh, not just about picard but honestly about next generation as a show uh you know i would say it is it is a leadership study for sure to be sure but anyway mm-hmm. let's get back to the episode picard goes to find philippa to get her help to stop the transfer but there's nothing she can do. Picard is concerned that even if Data refuses the procedure, Maddox is going to do it anyway. It's unfair. It's unjust. And Data has rights. Philippa says that Data's only option is to resign. This tries to flirt with Picard a little more. But he ain't having it right now. Not right now. Yeah. 
But yeah, this is Picard once again. I I mean, you see it from the entire crew of the Enterprise anytime they're around Data. Mm -hmm. It's they treat him as a person. Right. And so Picard here, it's like he has rights. And all all this passion over a machine. Mm -hmm. And it's like you could you could tell right now she's very much on on the machine boat. Sure. She she is on the side of essentially Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't bode well right now for data, but right. We'll see. Right. Back in data's quarters, he is packing his things, a book, a holographic projector of Tasha Yar and a few other things. Yeah. I'm what? just going to put that there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> we'll come back to these I, items in a few minutes. But. We, we, we will, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll cover more of it exactly later, but uh-huh. just, what is this holographic thing? It's a portrait. It's there. It's, you know, the future's version of having a picture of someone on your desk. I, I That's guess. All it is. I guess. I mean, we, we do even have, you know, digital picture frames nowadays. Sure. sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, if you could have like a, a little holographic 3D projection of your wife standing on your desk, you know, like a little six inch figure of your wife standing on your desk versus just having a picture of her right there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of cool. I think. I I guess. Yeah. 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 I, I suppose that works. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it, it was super confusing and what still mm-hmm. is super confusing as we'll get into later why it was Tasha, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Maddox enters without knocking and data's like, Hey man, what's up with that? Rude much. <laughs> Maddox is trying to convince data to change his mind. The procedure will keep everything intact, but data doesn't think so. The flavor, the nuances will be lost. That human element, if you will, will be gone. Maddox is going to do the procedure one way or the other, but it's too late. Data has resigned from Starfleet. He can't let Dr. Soong's work be lost. Nothing as unique or wonderful as this dream of his. But Maddox is not deterred. Yeah, I I, I love this conversation kind of going over that memories are more than just facts mm-hmm, right you know there, there's there's feelings and emotions that go along with them there's mm-hmm. just little nuances as he was saying that mm-hmm. make the memories whole and make mm-hmm. memories what they are and it's true because yeah i mean that, that that's what you get sometimes in I, I mean a lot of like legal proceedings and stuff and so just the mm-hmm, facts mm-hmm. And, and you can't and, do that yeah yeah it, 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 mm-hmm. it, but yeah that's what he wants to do and i like I, I i i can see that it's like yeah well, what can you what can you download into a computer you can mm-hmm. download the facts sure mm-hmm. but the rest of it right i mean i i i think once again i don't know a lot about it but that's kind of what the, what that positronic brain is doing right mm-hmm. it, it's right. allowing that's you why to add it, that. that's why it's so different and it's why yeah, data is different than all the other it's allowing you to add the extra element to things right. and yeah that's something so unless you have a computer that has a positronic brain like mm-hmm. yeah you're not gonna be able to transfer all that makes sense to me mm-hmm. and and then right here like data resigned yeah and like basically on his own made this choice like right I desire to live. Doesn't, doesn't that kind of tell you right there? Like Mm -hmm. if he was just a robot, like I, he he wouldn't even be thinking about making that choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the, the fact that he is without any orders from anybody, as far as I know, Mm -hmm. 
trying to, like I said, stay alive, that, mm-hmm. I, that, I, that, that says a lot. You know what I find really interesting, though? The fact that Maddox is coming to Data to try to convince him mm-hmm. to do this. That in and of itself, just that fact, is Maddox himself acknowledging Data's agency and sense of self. And he's appealing to Data to get him to agree to do this. Exactly. But and, that's- and, 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 like, I think he, he he understands that more than he lets on. Mm-hmm. And, but I think that's a big reason why he keeps calling him it. To, to kind of right. keep that separation, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, no, it's just a machine. It's just a thing. I'm not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I just want to do my job. Mm-hmm. And you know what this actually harkens back to me as you, as you talk about that, Matt, is our last episode of Matter of Honor when, um, I'm sorry, Remick, I think was his name. Commander Remick was mm-hmm. going through, and specifically when he was talking to Jordy. And, and it's, you know, he's, he's asking the questions in such a way of just the facts, yep but he's not getting the nuance of what actually happened. It's true. Right. Like, oh, so you're telling me Picard lost that, control of the ship. Yes or no? Uh, yeah, but it's that, not that quite. That is a perfect example. Yeah, like that's not quite what happened. Like, yes, that is, but no, that's, it, you're losing the nuance mm-hmm. of it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I think data's, data's point is here. Yeah. So, and I didn't put that together until you started talking. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, act three, Maddox, Picard, and Philippa are confabbing back in the, the JAG office. Maddox thinks that this is only an issue because Data looks like he's human, but he's not. Picard doesn't care. Data is a valued member of the crew and he has rights or does it. Data is still just a machine after all. Not that much different than the Enterprise computer. So is Data a person with rights or is he the property of Starfleet? And that is the question. And so, of course, I'm sure as as they wanted you to like, I, 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 I let myself most of the time kind of go where the writers want want me to go. Mm-hmm. And I this is really that scene, I think, where they start laying out. It's like because I, I think most people coming into this episode would be on the side of well, yeah he's he, he he's a human he he has rights he has you know mm-hmm. he he's a member of the crew that type of thing so but this is where they start making their points like if it was just a box on wheels i wouldn't be facing this opposition you know that right. that, that that was maddox's point and i'm sitting there thinking it's like all right i'm picturing like picturing like a old like you know cafeteria cart or something pushing around a, mm-hmm. a box on wheels and even if it could talk and it could do the things that data does it's like, how would I feel about that? Mm-hmm. Would, I, would I still say that box has rights? Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I start doubting myself. I'm like, I, that, that, that makes it tough. Mm-hmm. It does. You make a good point. That's like a good point. The, the, the shape that they formed it in mm-hmm. makes it tough. Let me let me ask you a question, Matt. And I, I don't yeah. know. You're, you're kind of a northern guy. Yeah, you're more Midwestern, but whatever. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm from the South down here, mm-hmm. um, where we're just nicer and more polite than everybody else. Um, you ever talk to Alexa or maybe Siri and you say, please, or thank you, <laughs> or like, are you ever I, polite I, to, I, you know, an I AI? honestly don't interact with AI very much. Okay. Like, cause we, we just got Alexa this last year in that, in this sure. house and I kind of regret it, but that's a whole different story <laughs> for a different time. Um, but I find myself all the time saying please and thank you and sure. you know, what, whatever to Alexa. And I know that it's dumb, but I have to wonder, like, 
Would I do that if it was, remember the computer voice from TOS, like right at the very beginning, computing, we're going mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. do that. Like, would I be nice to it if it sounded like that versus no, it sounds like a person. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that, but that's kind of what I, what I kind of started thinking about here. It was like, wow. you make a good point. Like we do have AI nowadays mm-hmm. and we can talk and interact with it. Uh-huh. Like, can you imagine if, if, if Alexa started being rude to you, if you didn't say thank you every once in a while, I, like if she just gave she, you the cold shoulder for a while, that, that would be interesting. Rude. Yeah. If she yeah. like puts you in timeout, it's like, <laughs> she, she just won't answer any questions for like five minutes. Alexa, like are we cool okay? Something wrong? <laughs> but I, 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 is it me? Did I do something? I guess. Uh, okay. So I bring her flowers. I, 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 I will admit that, like I said, I, I don't interact with the, the, you know, AI like Alexa and Siri as much. Uh, I actually don't have an Alexa. I have a ton of Apple devices, so I sure. could use Siri more, but I don't typically. It's far less uh, functional than Alexa. <laughs> In any case, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing I do do occasionally and I, I, I will 100% admit I get this from my wife, mm-hmm. but we do thank other inanimate objects. Like if we're driving down the road uh-huh. and we see a light that's been green for a while uh-huh. and it stays green long enough for us to get through the, the intersection, <laughs> we okay. will thank the light. All right. All right. So I mean, it's... That's- I, that's, that's a little more weird to me. I got to be honest with you. I, I, I I understand the light can't hear you. Alexa can hear me. That light can't hear you. Are are you sure that light can't hear you? Pretty sure. I mean, there's a camera in a lot of intersections. (laughs) It can see you. It can't hear you. Okay. So yeah, it's, I I mean, it it certainly is, is that area, but I think this is the issue of really the episode is data and not even a person. Is he a life form with Mm -hmm. rights? Is he life? With rights, or is he property of Starfleet? That, you know, really becomes the question. All right. At Data's going away party, Jordy is moping. He understands the situation, but still, it's not fair. As Dr. Pulaski would say, life is rarely fair. But still, there's a heartfelt moment between the two, and they're really going to miss each other. Now, Matt, I don't know if you've picked up so far, just kind of as we're skipping through so many episodes, like, Jordy and and Data are kind of like the buddies on the ship right now. Like, they're the buddies in the crew. Like, they're... They're the two that get paired off for the the fun adventures and stuff. Sure. So I uh, yeah I, I I can see that and and yeah. it's not entirely surprising. I mean, when you think about it, like they're kind of like I don't want to call them the outcasts because mm-hmm. I mean no one really you know yeah. within the bridge there's not really any outsiders. Right. But it, as Data even mentioned, right? He, he mentioned that Jordy has the bionic eyes, mm-hmm. and it's like though. They, they kind of have that that thing in common where they're not completely human. Mm-hmm. So I can I, I can see that. Yeah, they they it, it makes sense in my mind for them to have sort of a bond like that. There you go. Back in the Jag office, it is determined by Philippa that Data is the property of Starfleet, and he cannot resign. Nor can he confuse. Nor can he refuse to cooperate with Maddox. Picard challenges the ruling. But there's not enough uh, new people on the starbase yet, new officers on the starbase yet to quite hold the hearing. So rule says that they have to use the two most senior officers from the ship. That means Picard is coming to Data's defense, but Riker has to be the prosecution. Riker refuses at first, 
But if he doesn't do the job, Philippa will summarily rule against Data. And by the way, you better do your best, or I'll know, and I'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like. That of sucks. course, that was, my, that was my first thought too. It's like, well, yeah, just do a really bad job uh-huh. and pick hard to win. Awesome, cool. Right. No, no, they're not going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. But Philippa has one of the funniest lines I I think I've heard in Star Trek so far, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I I, I I don't think it was necessarily thrown in there to be funny, but Data is a toaster. right i i think part of it is like how many of them actually know what a toaster is exactly i always have that thought like you don't know what a toaster is you order it from a replicator yes because like we've had something like that before where Uh where they've mentioned like technology that we have now in the 20th 21st century right and and it's it's like wait like like they they kind of made like they 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 needed like data or the computer or depending what series we're talking about here Mm -hmm. to explain this technology to them right this weird ancient technology that they don't use anymore. Like, so for her to throw that out there, I'm like data is a toaster and like nobody blinks an eye and like they, they all just, Oh yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, And, and of all the, the machines that you could throw out there, right. You picked a toaster. Right. uh, It's a great pick by the way. Cause it was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but data is definitely more functional than a toaster. Uh He has way more brains a toaster so i mean if that's comparison it's like well a toaster is a machine mm-hmm. is data more like a toaster or more like a human more like human right right thank you right end of, end of story but it also served to accentuate her point right mm-hmm. like you better do this or he's just you know as good that's as the way we're gonna, yeah that's the way we're yep. gonna treat him so i got um, it i got it yeah it's it, it it's an interesting spot to be in riker's position now do you think yeah, I do not envy his position, no. but it, once again, Riker is like the best first officer that you could ever ask for. I think mm-hmm. he he just goes full on into everything. Like we we saw him be a Klingon, and now he's gonna be the prosecution against one of his friends, Data. Like yeah. it, it's like he, he he's he's gonna do his job one hundred percent even when he doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. You wonder, there almost should be like a, at some point there's like a, a montage of clips from all the Riker data moments from the show so far, you know, with some sappy music playing <laughs> well, over the, the top. This as is he's the 80s, right? Oh yeah. yeah. It should be. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's, that's what's missing out of this. They had to cut it for time, Matt. It was in there. I'm had to sure. cut it for time. All right. Act four in Picard's ready room. He informs data of the ruling and the challenge to data's legal status. Data is just fine with Picard serving as his defense. Over in Riker's office, he's doing some research. Looking up the technical manual on Data, he discovers that Data has an off switch. Remember that one from a few episodes ago? Mm -hmm. A smile for victory and then a tear because he finally realizes what it's going to mean. Yeah, I like effort. I mean, I, I didn't actually figure out. I saw he was looking at like Data's tech specs, basically, and I didn't know like you see that smile it's like what did you find out like i I, i'm not sure if that's a hey i found something that's great for the prosecution's case Mm -hmm. or hey i found something that is going to guarantee that picard will win 
I'll just kind of casually introduce it, trying to use it in my slyly use it in mm-hmm. my argument, and Picard will pick up on it and and use it against me. Right. Yeah. How, <laughs> how can I throw the case without actually throwing the case? Right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Did, did did you discover like data has a heart actually or something like? <laughs> so, like what's going on here? Like I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know how this works. So uh, yeah, I d- didn't know exactly where he was going. Like I I was hoping at that point he kind of found a loophole, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I was listening, you know, I I think I mentioned, I listened to a few other podcasts and preparing Mm -hmm. for these episodes Mm -hmm. and stuff. And one was pointing out how, you know, Riker, Riker is that guy who he just wants to win, like at everything, like he really wants to win. So he gets the, yeah, I just found it. And then he, and then he gets hit with the truth of like, oh crap. Like I don't actually (laughs) want to win this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm actually going to win. That's, Mm -hmm. that's not what I was going for. Yeah. Cause it's a, it's a big thing. You know, I mean, it's in a little bit of ways, it's, it's the debate between uh, Captain America versus Iron Man, like the whole Civil War debate, like whose mm-hmm. side are you on? And you're like, both have really good points. Like, I yeah. see both sides and eh, which one are you going to go with if push comes to shove? Like, I like I get it. So all right, back to the episode. Hey, Matt, it's time for a trial. Full disclosure, I love these. I love like like I'm not a big fan of courtroom drama as a genre. Yeah. But within the the greater like sci-fi genre or, or within like I love these courtroom episodes. They're just always so fun to me, you know, whenever we get to come up with them. It's just my own personal thing. I I, I will say I think this episode is probably my favorite courtroom scene. So oh, yeah. that we've seen so far. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's something. Yeah. Uh Data is called to the stand. His record and accommodations are being read, but Riker tries to bypass it all. Picard objects. He wants it all read out loud mm-hmm. so we can hear it. Riker asks Data, what is he? An android. And who built you? A human. Riker proceeds to do everything he can to show that Data is not a human, including removing body parts, as Riker whispers an apology in Data's ear. And he's just a mess of hardware and circuitry built by man. And oh, look, I can even turn him off and cut the Pinocchio strings. Data slouches over. Riker looks like he's about to throw up. And Maddox looks like we all want to punch him in the face. Yeah, I, I, and I hadn't even thought of that, but as as soon as he turned him off, I'm like, wow, uh, mm-hmm. you kind of made a good point there. Yeah. Because, yeah, I like, it, like as we found out, like, Data can't turn himself back on. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that would actually kind of be problematic, I think, right. in the long run, especially with, you know, back when you were talking about lore. <laughs> if lore could turn himself back on, that, that would probably be a problem. But it, it's it really made me stop and think it's like that is a huge thing that separates him from the humans like you can't you can't just turn a human off i mean turning a human off is killing them right and you don't turn them back on after that yeah yeah whereas data you could Mm -hmm. but then it's i it 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 gets confusing like it really i mean it turns him just into a computer right Mm -hmm. you can shut your computer down at night Mm -hmm. and then nobody does we leave it on all day all night long oh yeah i mean i'm I'm pretty sure my parents did back in the 90s because that's what you're supposed to do right right yeah but it's i i was having a hard time trying to figure out exactly how Picard was going to come back from this. Yeah. Like, and it, I, and I was going to say, you know, it's a thing. Cause you remember back when we explored this with data lore and, and uh, data told Beverly crusher back then, who was the doctor back then about mm-hmm. the off switch. And he was like, yeah, kind of keep it a secret. I don't want people knowing. And here Riker finds out about it. Cause it's on the schematic. 
and he just puts it out in front of everyone. Well, everyone being the five people in this room, yeah, one of still, which is Data. <laughs> right, and one of which is Commander Maddox. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, you don't want to kind of give him that win, but at the same mm-hmm. time, if he's building more of these things and if he's considering them machines, isn't he going to put an off switch on it? Oh, sure he is. Absolutely. So, he is. Like, even if Data didn't have one, don't you think he's going to put one on? Mm-hmm. So I like I I guess that uh, other than kind of giving Maddox like that that feeling of victory, mm-hmm. like I'm, there's not really a big drawback to showing him. Yeah. Hey, one one just a little production note before we go forward. Uh, yeah. The the room that this trial is happening in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you recognize it or not, but we've seen it before. We've been in this room a few times actually. Is it is it well one of the other times we had a trial? No, no. This is a redress of the battle bridge. The battle bridge. Yeah, remember when like they the, separate the, the saucer section yeah, and they yeah. go they go over into that dark bridge, which the battle bridge was a redress of the Klingon bridge from Search for Spock. Hmm. So you know they So just they, tiny little room we can fit like five people in. Yeah. All yeah right. And just kind of put it in there and rearrange the furniture and there we go. So All right. Uh, anyway, just just a little side side production yeah, note while yeah. we're at a commercial. Using break what here. they can. There you go. Uh, all right, Act 5. In 10 forward, Picard is alone with Guinan. He knows that Riker has just slam-dunked this case. But Guinan does her Guinan thing and helps Picard to see that what we're really talking about here is not simply a matter of defining ownership of data, but slavery. And what we do here will determine what happens in the future and how we will behave. And Picard certainly has a revelation. And Matt, this, to me really is where the show begins to to take yep. shape. Yeah. I I, I kind of got that feeling and I kind of wonder how often this is going to happen. So mm-hmm. I, I what right, the Guinan's right. going to be the one to come in with all the wisdom of the universe. Exactly. Yeah. Like so I I will admit I I I'm all over Disney Plus right now. Mm-hmm. And the I I'm currently going through um Boy Meets World. Familiar with the show, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so I'm sitting here thinking, Oh, Guinan's here. This is in the backyard talking to Mr. Feeney. Right. Th- this is when you have your revelation. This is when everything turns mm-hmm. around. Like, yeah, this th- is, this th- is Tim, the tool man Taylor talking to Wilson over the fence. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like th- this is yep. going to be a thing. I have yeah. a feeling. Yeah. I, and, and it makes sense. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's at the bar, right? She's mm-hmm. the bartender and, and mm-hmm. that's what they do. Right. And we saw her do this with Wesley a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've seen her do it with anything else in this episodes that we've been watching. Yeah. I but, think that's the only times I've seen her actually, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I loved it. And mm-hmm. the, the point she made, like, as as soon as like well she she just kept like hinting at it. I don't I don't think she actually mentioned slavery. Mm-hmm. I think she made Picard say it. Right. Yeah. But, she let him come to it on his own. Yeah. But, yeah. Like I I knew exactly where she was going with it. I'm like that that's it. Yeah. Ooh. That, yeah. <laughs> we can turn this around. There there's still hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. but yeah, it, it, it this is also obviously where it got super heavy too. Right. And it gets as soon very as you slavery, and it's like, yeah. oh, they always used to refer to slaves' property too. Uh-huh. That's not good. Um, right. So, yeah, you 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 have an argument to make now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, let's head back towards the trial. Picard stipulates to all of Riker's assertions, and he dismisses each one in turn. 
We are all machines, just different types. Children are all created by their parents, mm-hmm. but they're not property. Commander Data to the sand. Picard rifles through Data's space suitcase, his little space suitcase, <laughs> and he pulls out the things we saw Data packing back in the quarters. We pull out his medals, we pull out the book from Picard, and we pull out the hologram of Tasha, symbols of duty, symbols of uh, sentimentality, symbols of intimacy. So, yeah. And you let's have a just, question here, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I have a big question coming up. But All right. Let's start off with the medals. Sure. When, when he was packing those in the first place, mm-hmm. I kind of thought, that's kind of weird, actually. Mm-hmm. And then when he pulled them out during the trial, I'm like, you can make a huge argument just with those. Sure. Why are you giving medals? Exactly. To a machine. Exactly. Would you give a medal to the computer on the Enterprise? Nope. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, th- th- there's a reason you awarded him medal. Like, so that in and of itself, I thought was huge. Mm-hmm. The book, fair enough. I mean, you can, it was a gift from Picard, so that had some extra value to it in, mm-hmm. in this particular situation. But yeah, uh, what what's going on, Tasha yeah, and ta- Data? Yeah, the Tasha hologram. You know, uh, nothing here is useful, right, in, in the suitcase. Sentimental. Uh, Picard presses Data on it. He wants the hologram. Data doesn't want to talk about it, and he gives in and says that they were intimates mm-hmm. and swowsers to everyone around the room. Okay, Time you missed in an episode. Thank uh, you. There, it's actually the second episode. It was the one right after Encounter at Farpoint um, where a virus spreads through the ship and causes everyone to lose their inhibitions. Basically, they're all drunk. Okay. Which, by the way, okay. this, was, this, was a, this was a repeat of the same premise that happened in TOS with a show called uh, – one of them is The Naked Time and the other one is The Naked Now. I think The Naked Now is in Next Generation. Naked Time is in um, okay. the original series. Uh, but it, it's the same, it's the same idea. It's just a retread of, of literally the same episode, yeah. but there's, there's a point when Tasha like comes around the corner looking at data and it's, it's actually a very funny scene. I, believe I am not going to give this to you as extra viewing because I don't want to go do this on our Patreon channel. <laughs> However, if you want to go watch it on your own, feel free. Um, but it, it's, it's actually a really funny scene. Like she turns around and she's like, data how anatomically correct are you and he's like i'm fully functional in every way possible and she goes that's just what i wanted to hear and then she like pulls him (laughs) down off camera and the next thing we see is data like walking around you know kind of like wobbly legged Uh like yeah what's up uh so there was there was that moment right Okay. Uh, so they were intimate. Well, um, that 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 explains a lot. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, well, the, the only thing that I, I would question there is mm-hmm. data can be affected by viruses. No, or, well, da- no, data wasn't affected by viruses. Okay. He was affected by, but woman. it was just everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got dragged into it. Kind yeah, of. yeah, exactly, exactly. Got it. So it's it's that's what it was. And there and there are references to this kind of relation like it it's almost as if this began like an ongoing relationship between data and tasha like when when she well, died I, I mean, um there was like a little blip about this as well uh and yeah and, and just the fact that mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the reason he's holding on to this portrait of her yeah yeah because like, as far as we know it only happened once yeah it was it was but, not an ongoing relationship but it kind of takes on that feel after a while of listening to the way data uh, you know, uh, talks about this. So yeah, he, he, he had feelings for her. He had a, a, a special place yeah. in his heart. Once again, I don't know yeah. if he actually has a heart, but right. well, if he's anatomically correct, man, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the backstory on that, but uh, you know, it's, it's wowzers to everyone around the room and uh, no further questions. 
Uh, Commander Maddox to the stand as a hostile witness, which I just think always sounds cool in the script. <laughs> you know, uh, he contends that Data has no rights because he is not sentient. All right. So what is sentience? Mm-hmm. Maddox says intelligence, self-awareness, consciousness. So why is Picard sentient, but Data isn't? Well, let's go through the criteria, shall we? Is Data intelligent? Well, yes. Check. All right, fine. What about self-aware? He turns around, asks Data a series of questions and says, Things like my rights, my status, my right to choose, my life seems self-aware to me. And this is where I, this is where I, Brent, will add in a desire to preserve yourself, mm-hmm. which we have seen. Uh, you know, Maddox. Hello, hello, Maddox. Uh, he can't, he can't really answer those questions, but he really, really admires it. Yeah. Well, he's determined to not acknowledge that humanity, isn't he? That's what I said. Like I, I, I think. He he intentionally does that to to uh, keep that gap between you know not let mm-hmm. make sure he doesn't feel anything right right it's a it's a protection mode right yeah we don't one day it is cool enough but thousands as Maddox suggests there might be that's becoming a race so which I thought was another fantastic point yeah absolutely um so so what is he what is maddox is he a machine a bunch of yelling goes back and forth now between maddox and picard data has met two of the three criteria for sentience so what if he even displays the slightest bit of consciousness what is he then do you know does anybody know the decision today is more than just about data sooner or later either maddox or someone like him will succeed in creating more data's more positronic brains and here's the crux once, of it. someone else is going to figure it out exactly <laughs> here's the crux of it this comes back from Guinan. what we decide here today will decide how we treat all of them and mm-hmm. this will show us who we really are as people you could be condemning him and all who come after him to lives of servitude and slavery starfleet was founded to seek out new life and there it sits and and then i wrote this in my notes if the words of captain kirk it's time to see if our high sounding words mean anything <laughs> And I go back to, and I've, I've had this thought. And again, I, I reference another podcast uh, in this one, mission log. They, they just gave me better words than what I had, uh-huh. but I, but it's, I went back to the Corbomite maneuver, which was the very first episode you and I did, Matt. Uh-huh. And it's that same situation, uh, you know, effectively of, are we going to live up to the standards that we say that we live by? Yeah. You know, and that I think comes back to the question of, what are we going to be when the chips are down, when we have the upper hand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, and after all this went down and mm-hmm. that like they, they brought up, you know, if you make thousands of them, it's, it's going to be a race. And yeah. like, I, I just love Picard's line that, I mean, you threw out there already, but Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, mm-hmm. there it sits. Yeah. And it, 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 I mean, there are, in just a few episodes that I've seen, there there are so many different races and species out there, mm-hmm. and we don't know a lot about most of them. And eventually, yeah, maybe there is going to be a, a, a species, a race that is close to what we know data to be. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that data was created by humans. There could maybe there's a race out there that wasn't created by humans, Mm -hmm. but it just very closely resembles data. And like, who knows? And and so where where would they fall if 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 you know the ruling goes the other way today? And you come across them in space, and it's like, well, no, you're more like data, so you're just property. 
Like, uh, really? You, you, that, that, that's the way you're going to go with it? They're, they're flying spaceships out and they find you and you're just yeah. going to say, yeah, your spaceship's flying spaceships. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, and this becomes the, this becomes a question that is revisited again and again in Starfleet or in, in Star it. Trek that you have to be able to, to answer what is life? Mm-hmm. What constitutes a life form? And if you value life, all life, at what point do you value it? Do you value the smallest little microbe? Does it, you know, does it have to look like you? Does it have to be humanoid before you value it? Does sure. it have to, to, does it have to be carbon based? Yeah. You know, I mean, David, data is not really a carbon based life form. I don't, I don't, actually, I don't know. Is, yeah, is that carbon? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when you say uh, I'm not a chemist. Be, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, but, but later they, they talk about various types of life, like a, a photonic life form. Or whatever sure. Q is, what like we still don't know what Q uh, is, yeah. there you, go. you know, uh, or the 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 encounter at Farpoint, the big jellyfish thing, mm-hmm. you know, that that is making up the thing. That's those aren't humans, but that is certainly a life form. You've yeah. got to respect it and, and you know treat it I'm, with with it, such. It could have killed you, right? So um, yeah, right, exactly, exactly. So, but it chose not to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so it's it's such it's just such an interesting idea that. You know, Picard recognizes, uh, you know, in, in the words of Hamilton, history has their eyes on him or has its eyes on him. Um, you know, what we do now is going to determine what we do then. And it, it, it's it's just it's such that idea of are you going to live by your stated values? Yeah. Right. And I think this is something that politically countries all over the world need to consider. Like this isn't a question I think you just ask one time and you move on from it. Like, I think you have to constantly be testing, hey, is what I'm about to do, is this in line with our stated values as a people? Yeah. Right? Um, Very much. uh, Organizations, companies need to do that. Every company, you walk in, you walk in their headquarters, there's a mission statement, and there's like a set of values that they have on the wall, right? Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. about every single one of them has it. Well, is their business actually in accordance with those stated values that they have on their wall? Yeah. I think it's something you have to constantly that, go back for too. Yeah, that that that's. I mean, I'll just go back to uh, my days at Walmart, mm-hmm. and that that's one thing that kind of bothered me was in their break room, mm-hmm. which is also like, actually, no, it wasn't the break room. It was like the kind of like the joint manager's office and and sure. where where they held interviews and such. Uh-huh. And they had all along the walls they had these quotes from sam walton and they, they were kind of like the founding principles you know mm-hmm. his founding principles and I, I like by the time i left there like i i only worked there like a year and a half but i i would look at those and I'm like yeah that doesn't really mesh with what the company is now right yeah, I certainly have that my own experience uh, with former places that I've worked, and one I don't really want to name right now because I still love it so much, and I can't. It breaks my heart <laughs> to talk about it like that. Sure, but I get it, man. It, it it I really do, and and even bigger than politically as countries or you know from an organizational business standpoint, I, I think that's also true. Quite honestly, and that's why that's why this this episode is so poignant. It's true for us as individuals. Like whatever you say, you believe as an individual, whether it's because of your own morals, your own faith, your own whatever, like whatever you get your moral guide from, are your actions in line with what you say you believe? Yeah, you know, that, I mean that that's 
that's where we get the phrase actions speak louder than words right right Right. that's that's exactly it right there it's like people see what you're doing Mm -hmm. you you can say you know this is what i believe this is this is how i think people should act but then if you turn around and five minutes later you're doing the opposite thing Mm -hmm. what are they going to believe what you just said or what they just saw you do exactly exactly uh and here's where i want to bring up the title of the episode matt yes the measure of a man now I've I've never known this until starting to research this and this just really blew my mind. The phrase a measure of a man is used in multiple multiple places throughout history. I believe it. Like it's it's used in speeches and in writings and various things. It started with Plato. Actually Plato I think was like the earliest one who used it. Okay. Uh, but it even comes all the way up to like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Sure. And some of his speeches. Now, if I was studious, I would have actually gone back and pulled these quotes so I could read them to you <laughs> um, or I would have copied them down. But I, I remember, you know, I was kind of looking through them and here's what stood out to me as I was reading through them. The idea of a, what is the measure of a man? Like when you yeah. when you hear that, you've seen this episode. What, what is the measure of a man? What What do you think that that is referencing as far as this episode goes? I would say it's. But what do you what do you need to be to qualify as a human? Yeah, that's what I man. That's exactly what I always thought it was. But here's the thing. If you look at that phrase in context, it's never about what constitutes a person's humanity or their inherent rights. Mm hmm. The idea of a measure of a man, whenever it's used, particularly in these speeches and even by Dr. King, Mm -hmm. uh, Plato used it in in several others. The measure of a man is always about how you treat others. So, you you know, I know that I said earlier, like this is a data centric episode. This really (laughs) might be more of a Picard centric episode. I can because see the measure of a man, this is about Picard, not so much about data. This isn't yeah. this isn't about <laughs> defining who data is as much as it is about defining Picard or us. I mean, yeah, it's well, data is at the center of the episode. Mm-hmm. The episode is actually about how Picard defines data. Right. And how we treat them. And that becomes the measure of a man. And, and you know, this is where I go. It goes back to that Corbomite thing. It goes back to, I mean, the whole discussion you and I would just spent the last five minutes having of, mm-hmm. of whether it's politically or corporately or organizationally or personally. Yeah. It's the measure, the, the measure of you is how you treat other people. Sure. And that's, that's so like poignant. And when we go back to, I want to go back to now the conversation Picard had with Guinan of listen this is not about whether or not data is human or alive and picard says that he's like is he human i don't know does he have a soul i have no idea yeah. well I, I don't know i can't say that for you but what matters is is what we're going to do yeah. it really doesn't matter what data is what matters is, is how we're going to choose to act and that mm-hmm. is is just so profound to me it's huge yeah all right, let's get back to the episode. What do you say? Go for it. All right, it's judgment time. Is data a machine? Yes, it is. Is data property? No, he isn't. Does he have a soul? I don't know. This goes back to, to those things. Mm-hmm. But the final ruling of the court is that data does have the freedom to choose. And data's choice, he formally refuses to undergo the procedure. But hey, Maddox, don't give up. I kind of like your ideas. When you get ready, I'll still be here. That it, Another fantastic moment. Yeah. Like... Kind of just show that like data wasn't opposed to the experiments. It wasn't opposed to, you know, there being more datas. Right. He just. You're just not ready yet. I don't want to die. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> want to lose what he has. Right. Who he right. is really. 
Yeah. 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 No, I get it. And Maddox himself now remarks, he is remarkable. Hey, mm-hmm. pal, you just said he. <laughs> and Picard winds up with getting a date out of the deal. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, back in Riker's office on the ship, Data is wondering why Riker is not at the celebration. Riker the celebration on the holodeck. Yeah. There you go. Let's go Ooh, there. Party time. Right. I, I, yeah. I honestly figured the celebration would be down like 10 forward, but yeah, okay. there you go. That, that <laughs> makes more sense, wouldn't it? Um, Riker doesn't feel like he deserves to be at the celebration, but as data points out, if he didn't do what he did, Philippa would have ruled against data. So even though he didn't want to do it, even though it injured him, he did it to save data's life. Thanks pal. The end. The end. Yeah, man. I can't imagine being in Riker's shoes (laughs) in that moment. Like, you're like, wow. Wow. So Matt, that's the episode. Uh, I'll give you a chance, man. Any, any final thoughts here on the measure of a man? I think we covered it. Yeah. Good episode. Do you like it? You want to watch this one again? I'd watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I mentioned last week uh, that this is one of the two episodes that fathom events did in promoting the season two DVD. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's obvious now why this was one of those two episodes. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, how about the next episode, Matt? You ready for this one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Please. The next episode is actually going to be the second episode that Fathom Events used in promoting the season two DVD. We're going to of skip course. forward several and we're going to uh, you're never going to guess who's going to be in this one. The name of the episode is Q who <laughs> Q who. So um, I think you'll like this episode. This is this is for sure an important episode in the history of star Trek. And it's just an all around good episode. So uh, I think you're going to like a great sci-fi. I'm going to give you one extra viewing uh, episode Uh, time squared time squared time squared. Yeah. A uh, a good sci-fi episode. um, Kind of a neat concept behind it. Just doesn't fit into the bigger, larger format of what we're doing here on this show. So we'll have to skip it for that, but I'll give that one to you as an extra viewing. Um, And and I've already given this one to you as extra viewing, Matt, but um, I don't this will be the second Q episode I think we've watched. Um, I think so. Yeah, there is another Q episode in season one called Hide and Q. Uh, if you want to go back and watch that one, I, I, it's not going to necessarily affect things. It's just another Q episode. So Fair enough. Uh, if, if you want to do that. So anyway, just a just a reminder to that. So, uh, Matt, with that, man, um, I guess we'll go ahead and kind of get out of here. Why don't you tell the folks out there where they can get in touch with you out on the internet? Uh, you can find me personally over on Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen live across all the social medias. And if you want to get in touch with the show, just head over to beamuppod.com, our brand new website over there for all of our contact information. Lots of ways you can connect with us and you'll get all the details there. Well, Matt, that's going to do it for us for this episode. Thanks for joining me on this, and I can't wait to get to talk to you about Hugh Who. So until next time, guys, live long and prosper. 